everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Broken Headphones Podcast. I'm your host, Asa, or <laughs> We get each other mixed up. <laughs> uh, my name is Lasani Balkran. I'm one of the hosts. And uh, today we have uh, an amazing guest on our show. UMFM. UMFM 101.5. Uh, we have Christine Emlott. How are you doing, Christine? I'm good. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on your show. Thanks for uh, coming by on the show. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm a little embarrassed to ask this, but is M-Lot how you pronounce it, or is it M-Lot? It's M-Lot. So Christine is uh, Anishinaabe from Manitoba. She is also a teacher, uh, educator, that teaches at uh, University of Winnipeg Collegiate. Uh, she's a co-founder of uh, Red Rising Magazine and also co-founder of Red Rising Education. Um, so I guess our first question for you, Christine, is how did you get involved with teaching and why specifically youth? Um, yeah, I've honestly always wanted to be a teacher since I was a little kid. And I always get asked this question, like, what made you want to be a teacher? And I don't know what it was. It was just like something since I was five years old, I always said, like, I wanted to be a teacher. And it just kind of stuck. Um, I really love working with kids. In high school, I even like volunteered as a daycare worker. And I loved that. I just always knew I wanted to do something with kids and youth. Um, of course, now that I've like grown up more, I'm a high school teacher, but I still consider all my students my kids. <laughs> I have like a hundred kids. <laughs> so how how long have you been uh, teaching now for? This is I graduated what in 2015, so this is my fifth year. Oh snap! Yeah. So yeah. are you noticing? Uh, do you see any challenges that youth uh, face today in education? And is it uh, different for Indigenous youth? Yeah, I mean, there's so many challenges that I see um, for all youth, even with like the advent of social media. Um, I like I can't even imagine having Snapchat when I was in high school. We didn't have that. And yeah. I feel like, you know, there's so much more pressure on youth today. Um, there's so much more like bullying and exclusion with social media. So social media is like a huge kind of thing in its own right. Um, but as for other things, you know, when I taught, um, I taught in Winnipeg's inner city for a little bit, um, grade seven and eight, and um, mainly indigenous students. And I actually was really surprised um, because I kind of went into the school thinking like, oh, I'm going to connect with, you know, all the parents and the community and they're going to love me and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I found that a lot of parents were really like distrustful of the education system and they were kind of, you know, they weren't like super engaged with the school system and kind of even, um, like pushed it away at times. And so I think that's, you know, it kind of made me realize like that's definitely a legacy of colonization and residential schools is that people don't trust the education system and, and for good reason. Um, so that was definitely a hard lesson that I had to learn. Um, you know, it was like my first year, it was like my second year teaching and, you know, you go in there with like all these ideas and dreams and then it's kind of like, okay, this is reality. You kind of have to work with what you have. Um, but yeah, like even things like poverty is a huge issue. Um, access to resources, especially right now with online learning, um, you know, not every student has a laptop or access to Wi-Fi or internet. And um, I think, you know, schools are really going to see the consequences of that when we get back to school. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know for I know for me going to school, um, learned about like residential school, but that was only for like one unit, and it was like it was like very quick. It was like a month. Um, I just want to know, like, what was your experience uh, going to going to high school or like learning? <laughs> I hold this all the time because it's hilarious. But I literally learned nothing about Indigenous people in my high, in my school experience. Yeah. Uh, for sure, nothing in elementary school, nothing in junior high. I think in high school, um, I learned like there was a textbook, and we learned about like Indigenous people in the past and how we were nomadic and like we lived in teepees and used all the parts of the buffalo. That's like literally the extent of my high school education on Indigenous people. And that's definitely something that I want to change. Actually, I do remember reading um, April Raintree in high mm. school. And that book, like, I completely fell in love with reading after that. Um, <laughs> just because it was something I was like, oh my god, I can connect to this. Like, this is my family. This is my community. Mm -hmm. It was, it's, it was really profound. It was a profound experience. And that's why I want to bring more of that into the classroom for my students to connect with. Cool, amazing. Uh, Christine, I also know that uh, throughout your work with uh, different like organizations like Studio 393 and stuff, you've also uh, included hip hop with your, with your curriculum, which is really cool. Uh, I just wanted to know uh, why you decided to involve hip hop with your like teaching. Cause obviously like when I was in school, a lot of teachers were like, oh, don't listen to hip hop. Like that's like really bad. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's hooligan music. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was like, I was wondering like, you know, cause that's cool. It's cool to see a teacher. Yeah. Uh, well, I used to be a hooligan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to the hooligans. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just always, you know, loved hip hop. It's like the only genre of music that I listen to. And again, it's because it's relatable. Like, I'm not a country girl. I don't listen to country music. Don't even, like, play that around me. Um, but I listen to hip-hop. And again, it was just because, you know, it's relatable. When I first heard it, it was like, wow, this isn't, you know, just some pop music talking about nothing. It's actually real. It's talking about real-life issues. And in high school, I remember, like, oh, teachers do a terrible job at teaching poetry units. Like I hated poetry all through, all through school. And it wasn't until later that it realized that, that I like, that it clicked that rap music is poetry. So why wouldn't I, instead of doing some boring, you know, poetry unit, why wouldn't I bring rap music and, and hip hop culture into my classroom? Um, not only that, but you know, like rap music is inherently political and it's an, it's like a social movement. And so as someone who, you know, I'm kind of like a nerd like that. I love learning about what's going on in the world and I love studying history and and um, politics. And so it just was kind of like a natural fit. Like, why wouldn't I bring this? Literally, I wish, like in there's courses in the States where you can like get a university degree in like hip hop. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, man, I would love to do that so much. Like I don't claim to be like a hip hop head or historian or anything. Like I'm just a fan of the music. So I'm always trying to like bring other people in who obviously have that knowledge and are a little bit more involved than I am. And it's just my way to like bring, you know, bring you guys in my classroom and bring people in and just, yeah, keep it real with my students. And hopefully they really like what we're doing and, and then develop a love for poetry that, you know, I didn't have in school. Cool. Mm. So uh, 
this kind of I'm, I'm starting to like live a different part of my life like like be like really honest and really like like uh if i'm scared of spiders i'm just living my truth i won't i won't try to be macho about that um and that that's who i am i was just wondering if you see any uh if you see any parallels between people finding their identity and hip-hop youth specifically oh man absolutely like hip-hop is self-expression it's how people express who they are to the world and it's not even like individually but like a community form of self-expression mm-hmm. and yeah i really love it i think you know when my when we did our first hip-hop uh unit for mm-hmm. my grade tens last year you know they started talking about things like being discriminated against when they're going to the corner store being yeah. around by security and they really were talking about like things that they've experienced they were talking about gang violence and um, wanting to save the earth and it was just like a beautiful way for them to express themselves to me because I haven't really when like I assign writing tasks I don't get that level of um, like honesty like they're often just writing it because it's a school assignment but for them to be able to write something that reflects who they are and then not only that but perform it and perfect it it was just like it was amazing I love my job <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to UMFM 101.5, Broken Headphones Podcast, part of Studio 393. Uh, Christine, uh, for our listeners uh, listening at home, uh, we also know that you're a part of uh, Red Rising Magazine. Uh, could you tell our listeners what Red Rising Magazine is? Sure. Um, so Red Rising is a publication that started, I think it started in 2015, maybe 2014. I wasn't a part of it at the very beginning, um, but I went to university with all the people who were, and I was kind of friends with them at the same time. And basically it was just a magazine that um, was created to kind of counter the media's narrative about Indigenous people. Um, because as you you know, probably know, growing up in Winnipeg, whenever you hear or see Indigenous people on the news, it's in a really negative light. Um, usually there's not, there wasn't too many good things that were highlighted in the news. And so um, this group of Indigenous and allied youth basically just wanted to showcase the brilliance that we have in our communities. And so it's a magazine um, that we try to publish twice a year now. Um, and it just includes short stories, poetry, really beautiful artwork, um, graphic design, and uh, biographies um, about people in our communities. And, you know, it's just our way to kind of showcase all the positive things that are happening. Um, but not necessarily like always positive, but just like real. And like, you know, this is what our people are going through and thinking, and this is what our hopes and dreams are and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So... I know that you're a co-founder of Red Rising uh, Education as well. Can you tell us exactly uh, what that is? Yeah, so how I started getting involved in Red Rising is it was my first year um, being a teacher and I was teaching English, um, grade seven, yeah, no, grade eight English. And um, I was looking for indigenous like literature and I brought the magazine into my classroom and you know, all my students like gravitated towards it. They always picked it up for our silent reading time. And um, I noticed that they always like really loved flipping through the magazine, but they wouldn't always read the articles because they were a little bit too much of a higher reading level. Like we have people who have their masters and PhDs writing for us. So it's a little bit 
um, sometimes it's like a little bit unaccessible for youth. And so I kind of pitched the idea to the Red Rising team. I was like, hey, you know, I would love to make something that is youth friendly, um, keeping like the same kind of structure and everything um, about the magazine, just make it a little bit easier for youth to read and maybe um, a little bit more relevant to them and, and what they're going through. Um, and so we held, we actually got a group of teachers together in Winnipeg um, from like Treaty One territory. And we asked them like, how can we support you using this resource in your classroom? And teachers said like, they kind of wanted to know like how to go about teaching indigenous topics, especially like non-indigenous teachers weren't really sure. Um, and we're really cautious and kind of scared um, about how to do that. And so we created a video and um, it's actually on YouTube. It's um, titled like Indigenous Education, um, Red Rising Education. And it basically, we just asked people, we asked elders, community leaders, indigenous principals, um, youth, and we asked them like, what is indigenous education? And they kind of go through that and answer that. And so the goal of Red Rising Education is just to make um, indigenous education resources more widely available and easier for teachers to use in their classrooms. So is this something that uh, you have like kind of, uh, I want to say, I want to use the words pitch to like other like high schools around the city? Is this something that you've been like trying to install in other like high schools? Yeah, I mean, we definitely sell to all schools. Um, like we're open to selling to anybody. And there's a couple of school whole divisions in Winnipeg that actually purchase subscription to our um education magazine and our unit plans we have like four unit plans available that go with the magazine and um and yeah so you know it's available to like all teachers in those divisions um i think like the university of alberta has a subscription so all of their people can use our resource um and you know we sell to people like all over the states and all over canada um, oh, cool. and different countries also so we're really trying to you know inspire other places to kind of do this same work and yeah, hopefully that happens. Yeah, cool. Um, I was just gonna ask. There, uh, I, I saw this movie. It's called uh, it's called Rumble. I don't know if you have you ever seen that movie. Okay, cool. It's a it's a pretty cool movie. You give it a, a watch. But uh, they talk about they talk about rock and roll music, and it gets to it gets to like halfway mark, and they talk about how indigenous musicians. They, uh, when they given a guitar, it was much different from how everyone else was playing because the way that like Buffy St. Marie play or like the way that Jimi Hendrix play, they sort of strum it almost like a drum and the way they hit it is very uh, drum-like. And I think that was something that people did not because uh, they knew exactly what they're doing, but it was like almost like in the DNA type deal. <laughs> I was just wondering if you see any of any of that in like students or you see just any of that in everyday life things that we do instinctually but like it's positive things yeah yeah I mean that's what I love about music it's kind of universal right like so many different people have like a natural kind of musical ability and I definitely noticed that um this past year when my students created music videos like some of them recording their songs I was like how are you not like actually doing this seriously and like pursuing this as like a career option um because they were so good they're so, such like naturals mm -hmm. um and you know I have students like I have indigenous students who like are drummers and who dance and powwow and things like that and 
um, you know, it's really cool when they bring that into the classroom and bring that into their assignments and can get marks for doing that stuff. Uh, I was just going to ask as well, uh, this is a question about the Red Rising magazine. Uh, you said that Red Rising magazine is kind of to almost like control your own narrative and like put a more positive light on indigenous people. I was just wondering if, um, like what are some changes that you've seen in like, I don't know, non-indigenous people's attitude towards like indigenous people? Yeah, well, that's a really great question um, because I don't know like if people notice now, but there's news, um, like big news sites actually have indigenous sections. So like, for example, CBC has CBC indigenous now, and they kind of do that same work where they're looking for different things, uh, different positive things to highlight in our communities all over Manitoba. And you know, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of like to think that our team had a little bit of something to do with that because we really um, filled a gap um, that there was and we really showed these news places, like people actually want to hear these stories and people, you know, this is something that people are willing to pay for. And yeah, it's really great. Amazing. Sweet. So I think uh, that's uh, all the questions we have for today. Uh, just uh, what's, uh, what are you doing during this uh, COVID <laughs> like what's the day what's the day look like <laughs> yeah um i stay busy i have like a million side projects to do i'm filming my lessons um which is actually hilarious because I am the worst person when it comes to technology. Like I can't even work a camera to save my life. And I totally filmed my, myself teaching the other day. The <laughs> camera was zoomed in. So it's just my face. So my <laughs> students, like I'm posting this next week and they're just going to have to watch my face for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys up to? Uh, we've been doing some, uh, We've been doing some podcasting, uh, trying to really get some more episodes out there. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot that we need to edit, but uh, a lot of great great guests, I think. We're, uh, worked on a 393 record, so that's going to come out, hopefully. Nice, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, got, a, got to listen to all my favorite interviews with Rick Rubin and Pharrell. Uh, all those interviews are like an hour long, but now I had time to actually like sit and listen to it, which is pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the community has really been coming together, hey, like worldwide. Yeah, um, I've been watching like all these like Instagram live like battles and showcases. It's so cool. It's amazing. <laughs> I like it. Like Risen premiere, that was pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, I watched that the other day. Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah. Tory Lane has his own radio, which is kind of cool. His own radio? Well, yeah, he's doing two more sessions of that, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Um, yeah, hope you have a good rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. You too. We'll definitely be in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interview with Christine Lott of Red Rising, Red Rising Education, UW teacher. When posting about the radio show and her appearance on it, a few students responded about how good she was of a teacher too. So it's been a pleasure having her on. 
thank you, Kenneth and Osani, for doing the interview. Please stay tuned to UMFM for more great programming, as well as for more episodes of Broken Headphones. Check out our SoundCloud. Check us on 101.5 UMFM and all iTunes and Spotify.